Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for a student radio for over 50 years now. You're listening to Auburn's number one student-run drive-time morning show. We thank you for joining us, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio, weaglefm.com, or listening to us after the fact on where your podcast player of choice completely PSA break-free. We thank you for tuning in. Of course, I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Daniel Locke. We are, of course, welcoming in Mr. Bay Marks to the show to talk a little baseball with us and talk a little uniform factor as we get ready to move on with the show. I want to get first Bay Marks' take on the Red Sox as they move on into trying to lock up that wild card spot as well as this big matchup against the Yankees uh, over a weekend series in Fenway Park. Yeah, Red Sox on a win streak. Uh, this time, maybe a month or a month and a half ago, I wouldn't have even predicted something along those lines, um, especially with how tight the AL East is right now and even the American League in general for that matter. Um, but, I mean, lately it's just we've swung it around. I mean, obviously we played the Orioles. I'm looking at it right now. Went and played the Mariners in Seattle. Um, but these games against the Mets and then this home series against the Yankees are absolutely critical um, with the postseason right on our tails. So, um They've been playing super hot right now. They're and not as hot as Jack's Tampa Bay Rays. They're not going to catch up to them. That's that's your East Divisional winner. But that's, that's correct. But uh, the Red Sox, I mean, they they probably have the best shot right now in the American League to go ahead and lock up a wild card spot. It's going to be interesting to see though after them if it's going to be the Blue Jays or the Yankees. Um, my money is on the Blue Jays, but with this series coming up with the Red Sox and the Yankees, but we'll see. If I know anything about the Seattle Mariners, they're going to try their darndest to get that second spot. Yeah. I would love for the Mariners to make it in. They're a very fun team, and they're red hot. They're, they're, they've, been, they've been knocking on the door for the past month or two, but just haven't been able to crack into that playoff spot. So, I mean, I'm all for chaos, and I hope the Mariners can pull off the upset of getting into the playoffs. All right. We're going to head right into uniform factor for this week of final week of September well we got one more week of September final full week of September first second day of autumn now at this point Bay while I'm getting the intro ready how are you feeling about this weather well I did see I woke up this morning just to double check because it was a little chilly last night when I walked inside and I'm glad that I grabbed this hoodie um, and I heard your weather report this morning so now I'm well informed on what the weather will be here in the near future very good, and that's why people listen to Compact Discourse. All right, and with that, we're going to jump right into Uniform Factor. Now, Form Factor is a term I learned in my occupational safety and ergonomics class. Does Powder Blue ever look bad, ever? Absolutely not. I can't name one team. <laughs> that's the worst helmet I've ever seen. I mean, part of the fun of throwbacks is that we're all in on the joke that they look terrible. Bird is awful, but the jerseys themselves are sick. Dude, it's clean, man. Hey, we ain't rocking the... Any thoughts on this Browns-Broncos matchup, Carter? The game itself? The uniforms. And with that, we're going to jump right in. The first thing we're going to talk about is the new Arizona Coyotes Kachina jerseys that they are bringing back. Um, this is a redux of an old throwback look that they are bringing back to the ice this autumn and winter. Um, no video broadcast today, so if you do want to follow along with us, you can go to uniswag.com. That's where I get a lot of the pictures, um, obviously, they're available on the team's respective social medias, but this kind of amalgamates them all into one place where they're easy to look at. So uniswag.com, that's uni like uniform, and then swag like swag.com. 
I just go to the news page and pretty easy to click on some pictures. All right, so first thing we're going to talk about is these Arizona Coyotes Kachina jerseys. Now, uh, they have worn these in the past as their home alternate, but they have been wearing the the black version of this, but now they can take them on the road with this Native American-inspired Arizona Coyotes featuring a coyote man playing hockey on the front, as well as the Kachina pattern. Looks kind of like, you know, like a clay pot you'd see at a, at a Pueblo village, if you will. And then uh, as, as the striping around the, the waist and the sleeves, you also have the traditional Adidas shoulder pads. And then you got the Coyotes logo, rarely seen, but very cool. The crescent moon with the Coyotes word mark that the, uh, the, the Coyotes can howl at after scoring a goal. And that is what we're looking at here. How do we feel about these road jerseys for the Arizona Coyotes? No, you go ahead. I love these. Like, genuinely, they, I don't know, everything about them I love. I kind of want to get one of these now. The one issue with it is I have is the Coyotes, the purple on the Coyotes logo, which I get they can't really change the logo. It just doesn't really work on the green to me. I personally, like, that logo is, that's got to be one of the coolest logos. I really do like the logo. I just feel like the, I don't know. No, yeah, I understand. I, I think overall, I think, I think the colors match well. I like the, as Jack described them, the Pueblo uh, pattern on the uh, sleeves and around the waist. Um, I think that's a very authentic touch um, to that na- more so like Native American uh, uh, vibe that they have to them out there in Arizona. Um, but I think that that logo of the Coyote, I mean, I, is that a throwback logo that they've used in years previous? Yes, it is. That was their original logo. So uh, in celebration of the franchise's 25th anniversary, in the NHL, as part of the Coyotes' rebrand, the club has made the switch back to the Kachina logo as their primary logo. With the switch back to the team, has in- introduced the white Kachina jersey that will be their official away uniform, and the black Kachina jersey will serve as the home uniform. So this is part of a complete rebrand of the team. They are going back to the basics for the 25th anniversary and wearing their original logo full-time for the season. And you can't wear black all the time, so they've rolled out a white version of their Kachina jersey. And it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing for me with this is, like I said, the logo. Just the subtle details in the logo that kind of make it pop off, like the, the tape around the stick. Um, I mean, just the details in the jersey on the Coyote and in his face. Um, and the double double patterns on both sides of his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe one side is his actual face, and the other side is a traditional hockey mask. Maybe um, I can't really tell what that is. I think I, it's supposed to be like a Kachina thing. Like yeah, I can't really. T- my, I have but, a terrible vision. If y'all can't tell. Um, but, so Bay, I mean, min- you mentioned last week that you like complicated logos, and I think this is a good mix of a simple logo and that it's and you could very easily you know use your paint bucket tool to fill in every box on that logo. There's no gradient or crazy patterns or anything. But it's a very complex logo in that there's a lot of lot going on, and it's not just a, a block letter. Yeah, I, I like I like the respected tradition. I like how they are bringing it pretty much completely back. Um, it, these aren't like the throwback uniforms we were talking about um, with some football teams lately that were kind of a faux throwback. These are these look more legit throwbacks, um, and it's a nice touch. It's something the NBA's kind of done. They've brought back the Grizzlies jerseys. They've brought back the Raptors jerseys, the Jazz's jerseys. Um, I'd like to see more teams do stuff like this and to stick to those traditional roots for maybe a throwback jersey. So I think, me personally, I'd like to see them keep this in their rotation permanently. All right, so we're going to move on to something else, but a quick bit of uniform news. If you'll remember, 
a couple of weeks ago, we covered the Arizona State Sun Devils reverse retro uniforms. Uh, so a little bit of Arizona news. They are going to be wearing those this weekend in their game on Saturday. So if you got hype for those, those golden uh, Sun Devils uniforms with uh, with Sparky on the helmet, be sure to watch the field in Tempe this Saturday afternoon. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is these 49ers, another throwback jersey, uh, celebrating the 75th year of the 49ers franchise. In the past, we've seen a road version of this jersey, but now we're going to see a home jersey in the beautiful cherry red of the San Francisco 49ers. A little different red than they rock with right now, a little more scarlet, a little more vibrant, and, you know, cherry red, as it, as it were. So they, uh, they look good. They have they have triple triple stripes on on the sleeve as they did back in the day, and they also have those awesome drop shadows that the '80s and '90s were so good at providing. You've also got white pants for a change. Uh, San Francisco 49ers usually in gold pants. They'll be wearing their gold helmets with these, but white pants to go with the cherry red tops of the San Francisco 49ers this weekend for the 75th anniversary of the Niners franchise. Uh, let's let's confirm. It's these ones, right? Yes. Okay. Just so the viewers know, home. Yes, it, it is the red ones. Um, I love this drop shadow, the subtleness of it. Um, this is something that, and I'm going to be a homer for a second here. A lot of Auburn fans have kind of, um, some of them have wanted to bring back a drop shadow, um, and a lot of teams aren't able to pull it off. But I think this throwback, you need the simplicity of it with the drop shadow, um, especially with the striping on the pants, making sure they include that little bit of a black. Because um, it's not an overload of the black color on the jersey top itself makes that drop shadow even better. And Daniel, do you have any thoughts on these or thoughts on the Coyotes one? I know we might have skipped over you there. I do. Um, these are nice. I really like the simplicity, but yet it still looks good. And with the Coyotes one, um, I'm excited to see what they do with the bottoms on that one. Mm, good point. Good point. So um, let's see. They also have the the diamond, the kind of the iconic diamond logo, if you'll remember that, from the 75th year of the NFL. They kind of done their own take on that one, uh, going back to the heritage of the Niners as well for the 75th anniversary of the 49ers. So these are going to look good. Um, they're probably going to be wearing them this weekend, I believe. San Francisco 49ers, of course, founded in 1946. Did they used to not wear gold at all? Like, was that never a part of their color scheme years ago? I believe they had gold helmets always, but just not in the jersey, not on the pants. Okay, yeah, yeah I figured that's what it was because there's there's no if if you're looking at these at home and following along with us, the only kind of gold you'll see on the actual uniform itself in these throwbacks is on that 75th uh, anniversary patch that Jack mentioned. But besides that, it's straight up red, white, and a little bit of black. Mm. Back in the day, I'm looking at some some 1960s San Francisco 49ers pictures. It seems like they had white and gold pants, but they were usually wore white at home and gold on the road. So interesting. Does, is, it, is this Jerry Rice modeling yes. some of the 49ers? Carefully, he's going to suit up and start playing again if they give him the chance. Some dollar bills on the ground? <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Out of all people, too, Jimmy G's just in that picture looking as awkward as could be. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, you got to bring up Jerry Rice because like, he's, the, he's the guy who made these, this look like iconic, Right, him and uh, Steve Young. So excited to see these and uh, – Excited to see the 49ers play like they did in the 80s, hopefully, when they roll these out. All right, we're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking college football, including the Shamrock Series jerseys between Notre Dame and Wisconsin, as well as the white face masks that Auburn wore up in Happy Valley on Saturday. 
Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1, and you're smack dab in the middle of Uniform Factor, our favorite segment of the week. We got Bay Marks, we got Davis Carroll, we got Daniel Locke. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more Compact Discourse. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your ha- I'm your host, Jack Hart. Combined my name with host. That's fitting. All right. We are jumping right in. I'm your host, Jack Hart. Uh, thank you, Bay Marks, for correcting me. We got Daniel Locke. We got Davis Carroll. Um, we might even have Britt Bowen coming on the show later today. So stay tuned to the second hour. We're going to be talking college football breaking down the exciting matchups this weekend including Auburn versus Georgia State but we are in the middle of uniform factor so we can't ignore that we're going to be talking the Shamrock series between Notre Dame and Wisconsin the Fighting Irish have revealed their 2021 Shamrock series uniform this year the Shamrock series game will be played versus Wisconsin at Soldier Field in Chicago this navy jersey the Irish are wearing features bold stripes on the shoulder with the Notre Dame logo in white. The gold stripes are meant to represent the waterways on the Chicago flag, if you can believe that. The gold pants feature stripes running down both sides that are a nod to the Notre Dame team that played the first football game at Soldier Field in 1924. On the palms of the gloves, we see the same stripe that pays tribute to the Chicago flag on the pants as well. The gold helmets will remain the same for Notre Dame, but the back bumper will feature the Chicago flag. The finishing touch comes on the outside of the neckline with graduating champions stitched in gold okay i kind of see what they're doing here Pers- hmm. personally my the first thing that caught my eye was the shoulder caps um i know that they're gold i think it's a reflective gold but in in a couple of these pictures they have almost like a green uh look to it. i don't know if i'm just my I eyesight just got worse too. yeah green I, th- I think a more pure gold would have would have blended a lot better um I think they kind of hit the nail on the head, though, besides that with these uniforms. I like the flow of the, the logo on the shoulder. I mean, the striping underneath with the logo smacked on top, I think it flows really well, and I think they went with the more simple look, which I think the Shamrock series has been traditionally more of a simple look between uh, the teams in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did a really good job this year with these. My favorite thing about them is the cleats. Oh, what do the cleats look like? I haven't even seen the cleats this- they're um like navy blue with like gold stripes down the side. Yeah, once again, if you are just joining us, we don't have a vis- video broadcast today, so we're not able to show you exactly what we're looking at. But if you go to uniswag.com and just go to the news page and find what we're talking about, that's where we're getting all of our pictures. Or you can just go to Notre Dame Football's Twitter page where they posted a hype video called It's All in the Details, hashtag Go Irish. That's where you can find what we were looking at for these uniforms, and then the same will apply for Wisconsin, which we were about to talk about. Well, it, sorry, I just want to make a real quick comment before you move to Wisconsin, Jack. Those cleats that you just pointed out, Daniel, those look eerily similar, if not the exact same, since they're Under Armour as Auburn's um, from last year. They were white with the orange tiger stripes on the side, kind of, and that kind of has the same design to it, except it's gold and blue. Um, so I think Under Armour kind of kind of went to the went to the archives and pulled out Auburn's cleats from last year, but um, yeah. So I'll buy the Chicago flag on the back of the helmet. That's pretty obvious um, and fitting since they're playing in Chicago. And I think 
there's a lot of Notre Dame alums in Chicago, considering it's the closest, you know, major city. But I think they're grasping for straws by saying that the shoulder patch and the pants stripe are inspired by the Chicago flag. I mean, it's just stripes. Is there a is there some sort of meaning behind the graduating champions that I am not familiar about? I think it's implying that like we're good at sports, but also athletics. Yeah, I I didn't I don't know. know. We'd have to ask Alex. Yeah, it's definitely saying that they grad like. I don't know if that was like something they said. Well, the people that graduate are champions. Well, I mean, yeah, but like I didn't know if like that was something that Notre Dame like stuck to. Like Auburn's like this is Auburn like graduating champions. If Alex was good at replying very quick, I'd ask him. But we find out in an hour. <laughs> Alex might be sleeping replies. in today. He definitely is. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll research it. So I, I think something interesting about the Shamrock series this year is that obviously we always see Wisconsin or. Um, I buried the lead there. Uh, we always see Notre Dame roll out something interesting for the Shamrock series, but this year is unique in that their opponent has rolled out something unique as well, which is a, um, a first, maybe not a first, but very uncommon for the Shamrock series. So we're going to move on over to Wisconsin's special, quote, forward, unquote, Shamrock series uniforms that they will be wearing this Saturday in Soldier Field. Wisconsin is set to play Notre Dame in Chicago for the 2021 Shamrock series game. The Badgers will have special uniforms that honor the great state of Wisconsin. The special look will feature an all-white uniform base with special helmet decals with the Wisconsin W and the word forward on a banner to cross it. The white jerseys will have red numbers with the Wisconsin across the chest and two pinstripes on each shoulder matching the helmet's center stripe. The white pants finish off the look and feature the same forward Wisconsin W logo that is seen on the sides of the helmets. The new uniforms will hit the field this Saturday against Notre Dame. And uh, these are very heavily inspired by the fact that Camp Randall is the name of the Wisconsin Stadium, yes, but it's based on the very real Camp Randall, which trained United States soldiers during World War I and, I believe, the Civil War. So uh, they, the promotional photos uh, for these uh, uniforms are all taken on historic parts of the Wisconsin campus that were a part of Camp Randall, including the volunteer statue that says when Wisconsin called, they answered uh, and uh, dedicated to the servicemen from Wisconsin. So that is what is going on with these. What do we think about these? I'm a big fan. Do you, I think I think I really like the two pinstripes. I think I don't think Wisconsin's ever done anything like that. And again, Wisconsin's been a school lately. They're an Under Armour school, but they've gradually kind of changed their branding, especially when it comes to football uniforms. As we know, They've always been a more traditional Jersey school, but throughout the late 2010s, um, they've really kind of transitioned to new fontage. Um, and I think this is a good way to go ahead and implement some of that. I believe this number font is something that they've been using a lot lately. Um, but the pinstripes really, I think, is what kind of sets it off for me. A subtle detail on the shoulders and helmet. And there's just two of them. You don't normally see a lot of teams do just two stripes. Um, and again, being nitpicky, I think I know that the pants are they're blank all the way around with just the Wisconsin logo and the Under Armour logo on the waistline. But I think if you'd added just those two skinny pinstripes on the side, that would have been the that's perfect. Besides that though, I have literally no complaints about these. These are awesome. I really like the all white look from head to toe, especially including the white face masks. It's gonna look really good against the very colorful Notre Dame uh, uniforms they're playing up against. Well, the matchup might not be pretty, but the teams on the field will look very, very good. They'll look very uh, – it's a very strong look for both teams. I think both of these uniforms really pop against each other with the color schemes um, and the way that they 
the way they designed these uh, jerseys for this event. Um, again, th- this is going to be a good-looking matchup uniform-wise. Who knows about the content of the game? They also look very old-fashioned, which I think fits the theme of you know basing it on a Civil War fort. Um, so I think the, these these harken back to the early days of football, and then that forward banner on Wisconsin is very you know Americana, collegiate, throwback, Norman Rockwell aesthetic that is super cool to see from such an old traditional Big Ten school like Wisconsin. Yeah. These are nice. I wouldn't mind seeing these stick around. I think if you removed the uh, the the forward and just made it made these Wisconsin home uh, away alternates, I think these could stick around just forever. For sure, as part of the rotation. For sure. I like the number font. I think that that should be used more often. I mean, like I don't really have much to say. Y'all pretty hit everything else pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I will I say like as far as font. as as uh, number fonts. It, what is to be said about an iconic number font? What sets that apart from just having you know block numbers on your jersey? Do you guys have any iconic number fonts in mind that really stick out as unique to a program or a pro team? I always remember the Buccaneers one. Not that it's the, iconic. The but alarm it's, clock. Yeah, but that that one's kind of iconic to me because it's not amazing. Mm, yeah. Like, I just remember it because I always used to, whenever you played them, I used to play as the Panthers a lot. So you'd have to play him a lot. So like you'd always see the yeah, the alarm clock one. I think one for me is and this might be a stretch maybe, but I think the and it's just because they've been so good recently. It's been the Warriors in the NBA. Their font's kind of been different from anything we've ever really seen in the NBA, and especially when they started hitting, you know, peakness in the 2010s when they were winning all the championships and a lot of people started buying their jerseys, that font that they had um within their logo really kind of became iconic. Because no other team really uses that kind of font. And it's kind of a similar font to even this Wisconsin um, number fontage we're seeing for the Shamrock series. Interesting. One that always jumps out to me is the Chicago Bears and the very rounded numbers, uh, oh, yeah. especially with the, like the sixes and the nines. Very, and, and even the one, you know, Cody Parkey wearing that one looks very iconic. Uh, just have a completely sans serif and rounded font. All right. So these Wisconsin jerseys are all white from head to toe, including the face mask, and that is exactly what Auburn announced they were doing on Saturday against Penn State. Uh, Some people were pretty nervous in the morning when they kind of teased that we're doing something different with the uniforms, but I think everyone was pretty pleased when the announcement came through that white face masks will be making an appearance. It's the first time, or the second time, in a very long time that Auburn has worn anything other than Navy face masks, uh, this other time being in the Outback Bowl when they wore gray face masks to honor the late Pat Sullivan. But white face masks were the move uh, in the third game ever of the Brian Harson era. Did you guys like the look, and what does it mean for the future of Auburn football, maybe changing up in the future now that we're under a new head coach? It took me, it took me so long to realize what was different. Since I was looking at pictures of like the hype videos that Alvin posted on social media, like the day of the game, I was like, "This isn't normal." Because <laughs> I thought, like, is the orange stripe on the helmet different? No, that's not it. It wasn't until during the game I realized, don't we normally have a blue face mask? And I'm like, "Oh, there we go." Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things where you're just like looking at it and you're like, "I can't figure out what's different." Um, personally, and before I get into face masks, y'all know I can get on a tangent about Auburn uniforms, as I'm mm-hmm. sure all y'all can. Mm-hmm. Um, because Auburn uniforms, in my opinion, really, the uniforms themselves don't need to be changed at all. But the face masks, um, I think 
I, I'm in agreement with you, Jack. I think there was a lot of nervousness and anxiety before the game just to see what they look like because since the 80s with the orange face mask, Auburn has had a traditional navy blue face mask, which looks fine. It looks great with the blue numbering because you don't see a lot of orange actually in the football jerseys. Um, I think the white face mask looked amazing, and I think they got a better reception from Auburn fans than a lot of people thought that they would because a lot of Auburn fans are for the traditional Auburn look that we have. But I will say this. I think the white face mask would look weird at home. I think if you're going to do a white face mask, I think you need to designate it for your road unis. And I think if you're going to play at home, I think you have to have those blue face masks just because there's so much blue going on in the chest with the with the jersey top. That's my opinion. But as for the white face mask overall, they looked great under the lights. Loved them. Bay, what are your thoughts on drop shadows for Auburn? I know you mentioned it earlier, but I don't. Did you really give a? You I don't want know if we have not? time for this discussion, fellas. Just give a quick, quick. Do you want it or not? Are you in favor or no? No. Mm, all right. They look great, but I'm not in favor of them. Wow. All right. Well, we got a lot to get to on Compact Discourse. Thank you for tuning in to the first half of the show. Uh, we got another whole other half to get to. Coming up on the other side of this break, we've got Britt Bowen joining us later on the show, and we got plenty of college football and NFL football talk to tide you over. we got a big game, Panthers and Texans tonight. You aren't going to want to miss. Uh, n- no telling how that one is going to go under the lights in Houston. All right, I got Davis Carroll. I got Daniel Locke, Bay Marks still sticking with us for just a little bit. I'm Jack Hart. We'll see you on the other side of this five-minute break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It's about 9.05 in the morning on September 23rd. 2021. Welcome into the show. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, Bay Marks, and the one and only Daniel Locke, with a couple Helena Honkies joining me in the studio this morning. Happy to have you guys on the show. We're moving on to the second hour, getting ready to move on to some football talk as it is Thursday and the weekend is just around the corner. Feel that crisp fall air, which means it's time for some meaningful football games. And not only the SEC, not only around college football, but also pro football as well, as we got some Thursday night football coming on tonight with my Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans. I think, Davis, are you you're playing quarterback tonight? Yes. Oh, I was like, what? We yeah, a, Davis yeah. Mills the third is playing quarterback for the Texans. Lovely. So as a Panthers fan, I'm very excited. But unfortunately, he's probably going to, you know, get 40 fantasy points and become yeah. a starter for 20 years. With my luck, I'll be playing against them tonight. Let me make sure I'm not. So we are going to, uh, while we still got Bay Marks with us, we are going to talk about some Auburn football. Uh, Auburn superfan Bay Marks, um, ready to discuss with him. We also got a little jungle news we wanted to uh, promote to you as we are both on staff at the Auburn Jungle, Auburn's student section for basketball, but now every sport as well. Because we are, of course, at everything school, so we got we to gotta rep out. All right, Bay, I just want to get your quick thoughts. I know you'll probably talk about them at length on the scoreboard, maybe a little teaser, a little appetizer, if you will, uh, for, for your thoughts on Auburn football's performance against Penn State last weekend and what you look to see this weekend against Georgia State. So quick thoughts is just, A, Bo played his best road game of his career at Auburn, but he could have played better. B, 
I truly only think the only other field position on the field that actually played decent against Penn State was running back and linebacker. I think every other position was at fault in that game, but nonetheless, that's a huge game to build off of, especially in Brian Harson's third game that you could have won. Number two, this upcoming weekend against Georgia State, uh, Auburn's last tune-up before you get eight straight games of SEC play. So after this, it's it's literally no weeks off besides your bye week, and even no, then, no holds barred. Yeah, so you you've got to you got to get all the wrinkles out this weekend. Sean Shivers will be coming back. It'll be interesting to see how the running backs split up the carries. Um, but yeah, those are my quick thoughts. Tune into the scoreboard later today if you want to get mine and Jacob Hillman's full thoughts on Auburn football. Yes, and if you haven't listened to the scoreboard yet, go ahead and do so. It's probably the most in-depth sports show we have here on Weagle. But you know, Daniel, I'd like you to I'd like you to dethrone them. I want to I want to see some some big <laughs> things out of you. Um, are you guys doing a podcast as well? Um, where you're doing more than your hour? Or are you just doing your hour this week? Uh, so. Well, that's still in the works, but it will be just like Compact Discourse. So wherever you find Compact Discourse for your podcast, the same thing with the scoreboard. And it, just like Compact Discourse, it will be PSA-free, but uh, still great content. Fabulous indeed. All right, so we are going to take a look at other games. Or Do you guys have any thoughts on Georgia State coming up? I know I'll probably talk to Britt about it later on in the show, but as far as running backs coming back, who needs to improve the most, uh, who was the most disappointing position group on Saturday, and how does that need to change in a low-pressure environment in Jordan-Hare? I think the secondary really needs to work on what they're looking at. That's really just <clears> – <throat> they're, like, allowing 78% of the passes from quarterbacks this season was, like, the highest in the CAA. Yeah, they're last in, the, they're last in Division One in uh, completion percentage. Just crazy. Need to get that fixed, obviously. Can't win games if you keep that up. I'm really disappointed in the receivers so far this year. Like, there's a lot of drop balls. Very valid. Uh, yeah, not only drop balls, but also poor run or pass blocking. I, I don't know what you'd call blocking on a screen pass, but um, this, if you're going to keep calling screen passes, I would hope that the uh, wide receivers can block effectively enough to at least get you past the line of scrimmage. And I was not seeing that on Saturday, sadly. I like the idea of a screen pass. I like spread, the spread offense. I think it's going to work well for Auburn. They have the talent for it. But they need to execute on it if they're going to ha- find success with it. Because spreading out the spreading out the defense and then running it up the middle or throwing it over the top is exactly what Bobo and Harson are trying to do on the offense. And you have the athletes to do it. You just need the athletes to execute. And I think part of that is just getting on the same page with communication. And I think that that was not a huge issue on Saturday at Penn State. But I think communication was more of a defensive issue. I think the offense was pretty much on the same page. I think just the execution fell flat a little bit on the run blocking. As far as the defense, uh, Smoke Monday missed his assignments a couple times, and then I don't even know whose assignment was to cover number 10 on that 30-yard pass up the middle on the seam route, but obviously wasn't covered, and it led to a Penn State touchdown. So communication is key, and that's going to need to improve this Saturday. I don't think it'll be a big issue, but perhaps some simulated um, – lack of, you know, you have to simulate a road environment when you're in a low-pressure situation like at home against Georgia State. I think a big thing for me, too, also that I'll add is just Auburn started out the game by giving Tank a couple carries, but then Tank was pretty much non-existent until basically the third quarter because at halftime, I mean, Tank wasn't ha- didn't have any carries, had hardly any yardage, um, and I think that was a huge adjustment that they needed to make was give Tank the ball more. Darkwoods Hunter played a great game, but I mean, when you have the best running back in the nation, arguably, in Tank Bigsby, you have to feed that horse and let him do what he was made to do, and that's to run the ball downhill, which he does very, very well. 
I think, yeah, and I think there may have been a little bit of growing pains from the coaching staff. It's their first time having to make decisions like this at the, at their new school. Um, if you could go back to the decision when when Auburn was down twenty one seventeen with fourth and short, whether to kick or go for it. Honestly, not an enviable position if you're Brian Harson because you're sort of screwed either way when you make that decision. If if Auburn doesn't win that game, um, even if they do win that game, there's going to be some questions about that play call. I think personally, think he made the right decision, but there are arguments to be made either way. But that the point still stands that that's a very difficult. That, that's something you can't prepare for is high pressure coaching situations like that. Once it happens, it happens, and there's no way to anticipate. I mean, obviously, you can anticipate that. Situations like that are going to arise, but they arise in such a unpredictable way. You never know when they're coming. You just have to have the mental toughness. And I think that Saturday's game did a lot for mental toughness for not only the team but also the coaching staff because it was a baptism by fire. You got thrown into a primetime under the lights whiteout game, and now hopefully everything is uphill for the rest of the season. What do you, what? I know you mentioned criticism on the play call real quick. What did you think about the goal line fade uh, right there at the goal line towards the end of the game? Obviously, I wasn't. Because you were there, I wasn't in Bonix's helmet, so I didn't. I couldn't see what what his other looks were. Obviously, we don't know what his other options were on that play. The story we've heard from Bo is that he had options, and that was what he chose. Um, so I would have liked. I, I and I haven't really had had the heart to go back and watch highlights from the game. So it's 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 been tough for me. I, I was a bit perturbed. Uh, ha- had they not called the timeout, I would be a little more surprised by the fade but the timeout made me think that they were gearing up for a maybe a gadget run play uh obviously it would be a up the middle run but maybe a a gadget blocking scheme that would clear a lane considering that's what they had been doing all evening but the fade surprised me a little bit but honestly it wasn't too much of a surprise considering that was such a desperation moment it was a a must have and a, a fade is a high percentage play either you know he's going to come down with it, or you're going to get a PI. So it it depended on how the refs were calling, and obviously just didn't work out in Auburn's favor. So I I obviously I think that I trust that Bo made the right read. Uh, it was a passing play, so I don't know who else was open on that play. So I, I think he made the best decision, but I don't really. It, it's easy to say in retrospect that it should have been a run, but I don't I don't know given the situation, considering that's pretty much what Penn State was expecting. Yeah, and you mentioned the rest. I mean, what a what a night they had to go through. I mean, they had a they had a few times where their their uh the people watching there were not very fond of them one way or another on both sides of the ball. But that's I mean, right. I, I think I heard the same thing as you was there were a few options on that play, so I won't be too critical, but again, I, I would have liked to see after a time I just like you said, something maybe different than what they did call. Personally. Was that a good trip, though? I know you went. You had a good it was time. a fabulous trip. It was uh, a bit exhausting. Um, I stood and sat a lot, is what I'll say for that for that weekend. Um, it was thirteen hours of sitting, bookended by twelve hours of standing, and another thirteen <laughs> hours of sitting. Yeah. So you know, would have been nice to mix it up a little bit. But all in all, unforgettable experience. You know, once in a lifetime experience. Uh, going to see your team play in a whiteout game, especially if you're not a Big Ten school like Auburn. Is but it was so different, and you know you can go back and listen to Tuesday's show. I think uh, Daniel and Chris and I talked a lot about our trip. Um, super nice people, super lovely atmosphere, and nothing like it. Uh, and Big Ten schools are so different that you really had to just go check it out. You know, the bands start dancing. It's crazy. The Midwest is weird. You know, that's my thesis as a Southerner. That's my that's my thesis. The Midwest they do things a little different. They call it pop. 
You can get a uh, you can get sandwiches at the gas station. It's weird up there. You know, you got to go try it out. You want to get a sandwich at the gas station? They, you can a, get it at the Circle K here. There's yeah, a, they're just not quality. I feel like those yeah. are probably there's a, a place called quality. Sheets. You can you can go to uh, in in the Maryland, Pennsylvania, West Virginia area. Check it out if you haven't. It goes hard. It's crazy. Did you stop there? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, little, mm. little shared experience. Little sheets. I had like an avocado bagel. Mm. Crazy. Interesting. Check out sheets if you're in the area. I, I grew up in Boston. Was it good? It was awesome. We'll have to talk about that after the show. I'm interested now. All right. We got a lot to talk to here on Compact Discourse. When we come back, I'll be talking a little college football with Mr. Daniel, and we got Britt coming on later in the show. Don't go anywhere. We got plenty to talk about here on Compact Discourse. The seri- uh, There's week finale of Compact Discourse. We'll be back. Monday morning at 8 a.m., but we still got another half hour of today's show. We're going till 10 a.m. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jack Hart. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're saying goodbye to Bay. We're saying goodbye to Davis, but plenty of excitement still to come. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, and we are hanging out for just a little bit longer today on this crisp, cool Thursday morning here on the second day of fall. It's gotten up to 60 degrees. Going to move on to your Auburn, Alabama weather report for this fine Thursday morning. Fall is in the air. It is 61 degrees and a bit foggy outside as we Look around the plains, uh, 0% chance of rain until this evening, where it's going to get up to a 2% chance of rain. So obviously not much need for a raincoat today, but probably a need for a sweater or a jacket as it is 61 degrees with only a high of 74. So plan accordingly. The clouds are rolling in just a little bit this morning, but we should see some sunshine this afternoon as we're going to get up to about 73 degrees as that is your high for today with an overnight temp of 55, so about the same as what you woke up with this morning. So fall is in the air, but also hurricanes are in the Gulf. We're looking at tropical depression number 18. That one is moving across the Atlantic towards the east coast of the United States. We'll see if that one develops as we keep our eyes on another tropical depression. Right now doesn't look like much, but could become Hurricane Sam if it develops any further, and maybe we'll bring some rain along with it if it heads towards the coast of America. All right, we are continuing to look at the weather. We got a 10-day forecast coming up for you, what to expect for game day on Saturday. You're looking at 80 degrees and sunny, mostly sunny, on Saturday the 25th, a 5% chance of rain, winds coming in at 5 miles per hour, going northwest, a low of 56, so a lot of variability in the weather. It could be pretty warm out in the sun, but also in the shade and on those bleachers. I know it could get pretty chilly. So plan accordingly if you're coming to homecoming on Saturday against Georgia State in Jordan-Hare Stadium. All right, let's jump on over to the college football scoreboard. Pretty exciting week in the top 25, and uh, we'll just go ahead and run through the scores, starting with um, your Friday game, and then we'll just roll on through. On Friday night, we got UNLV 
who is 0-3. They're traveling to play Fresno State, surprisingly breaking the top 25 after that upset win against UCLA last weekend. They're 3-1 and, and ranked number 22. All right, on Saturday, your 11 a.m. games here in the Central Time Zone. You got number two, Georgia, traveling to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Georgia's 3-0. Vandy's 1-2. Georgia's favored by th- uh, five touchdowns in that one. <clears throat> 11 a.m. Central, you got uh, Penn State just coming off that win against Auburn. They are playing Villanova, who is 3-0, but in the FCS, so no line on that one. That Shamrock Showdown, Soldier Field, that one's going to be a noon kick as well. Notre Dame versus Wisconsin, number 12 versus number 18. Notre Dame's 3-0, looking to preserve that undefeated record. However, Wisconsin is favored by a touchdown. Coastal Carolina is hosting the hapless UMass Amherst team. They are favored by five touchdowns in that one. Colorado State is traveling to Kinnick to take on Iowa. Iowa is favored by 24. Top five, Iowa looking to go 4-0. and Texas A&M versus Arkansas in Jerry World. That one's at 2.30. Game to watch. A&M's favored by 4.5. Over-under is 47. <coughs> that one, of course, in Cowboy Stadium in Arlington. A&M has beaten Arkansas every time since they've joined the SEC. So Arkansas looking to break the streak of seven years. Clemson traveling to NC State. Carter-Finley Stadium, a dangerous place to play in the ACC. Clemson's favored by 10. Will they score 10? Their offense has to get on the same page if they want to come away with a victory against the Wolfpack. Number 14, Iowa State travels to undefeated Baylor to play in McLean Stadium in Waco. Iowa State's favored by 7 in that one. Rutgers will be traveling to the big house to play in Michigan. Both those teams undefeated. Michigan favored by 20. Georgia State coming into Jordan-Hare to take on number 23, Auburn. Auburn favored by 27. UCLA is at the Palo Alto in Stanford Stadium. It's going to be a UCLA four-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. UCLA ranked number 24 after losing to Fresno State. Tennessee traveling down to the Swamp. Florida favored by 19 in that one. Nebraska will be heading to East Lansing and Spartan Stadium to play the Wolverines of Michigan State. Michigan State 3-0. and Number 25, Kansas State undefeated, taking on undefeated Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State favored by six in that one. Continuing to roll along, Alabama will be hosting Southern Miss. They're favored by 45. West Virginia traveling to Norman to take on undefeated Oklahoma, number four in the land. They are favored by 17. Uh, The Akron team who played against Auburn will be heading to the Horseshoe to play Ohio State, number 10 in the land. Ohio State favored by 50 points in that one. North Carolina will be traveling to Georgia Tech, uh, to Atlanta rather. They'll be playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Georgia Tech nearly pulling off the upset last week against top-ranked Clemson. We'll be playing against North Carolina and Heisman hopeful Sam Howell, who scored five touchdowns against Virginia last week. So a big ACC matchup there. We got South Florida, the Bulls of South Florida, heading to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah, to play the Cougars of BYU. BYU still undefeated, sitting at number 15. They're favored by 23 points. You got winless Arizona looking for their first win in over 500 days going up to Outson Stadium. I don't think they'll get it this weekend against undefeated Oregon, who is 3-0, looking to open up their Pac-12 season with a big win. They are favored by 28 and a half. All right, Daniel, any notable matchups in the top 25 you're looking forward to this weekend? Um, Honestly, there's nothing that really sticks out other than um, A&M and Arkansas. I'm mm-hmm. really excited for that one. Um, next weekend's going to be crazy. Yeah, so I mean, we, we mentioned on the show uh, on, on Tuesday how excited we are for the October 2nd slate of games, but I think... I think there's some diamonds in the rough here. Um, 
in the top 25. I think Notre Dame and Wisconsin will be interesting. It'll be a good measuring stick to see how good, actually good these two teams are, considering Notre Dame has been playing lesser opponents, uh, Florida State included, and Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see how good Penn State is based on how good Wisconsin is by extension. Um, I'm also interested, of course, in that Texas A&M-Arkansas game. Arkansas is scaring me a little bit, and A&M has underwhelmed me, so I might like the Hogs in an upset there in Jerry World. And then I also really think Clemson's going to struggle mightily against NC State, and the Wolfpack might just be able to get an upset if the ball bounces the right way for them. I agree with that take. Um, that Wolfpack team is one of the best they've had in a while from what I've seen, and this is Clemson's very beatable this year, more beatable than they have been in the past few years. So. Especially while they're still figuring things out. It seems like they are not all on the same page. Um, and another interesting one to watch will be Oklahoma at home hosting West Virginia. That one's going to be underneath the lights in Memorial Stadium in Norman. I don't know if I like Oklahoma to get upset in this one, but the line's only 17, and West Virginia proved themselves last weekend against a very talented Virginia Tech team. So now that conference play is opening up, I do think West Virginia will give Oklahoma more than they've bargained for as they continue to figure out their offense. Yeah, I think that one will be close. I think West Virginia will give them a little bit of a scare. They may even be up by a field goal at halftime, but that's about as good as I can see it for them. We've also got Tennessee opening up their conference schedule against Florida. So Tennessee, we're not really sure how good Tennessee is. They've played pretty much nobody so so far in the season. We're not really sure how good Pitt is. And then they were playing against a very talented Florida team. So we'll see if Florida's the real deal, if they can handle Tennessee, or we can see if Tennessee gives Florida some headaches in the swamp this weekend. That is a 6 p.m. kickoff, so it will be a steamy evening in Gainesville. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, like you said, it's going to be really, really telling on how this Tennessee team really is and um maybe the direction they're headed, and we'll see if Florida has those Bama Blues that people always talk about after last week. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting to see. You know, they might have emptied their tank, uh, keeping it close with Alabama, and not have much left to fight against the Volunteers who are coming to town. All right, we have one game tonight that is going to be Marshall versus Appalachian State. That is in Boone, North Carolina. App hosting the Thundering Herd of Marshall. App is favored by seven in that one. So one college football game to keep on your radar tonight. Some other notable games outside the top 25. LSU traveling to Mississippi State at 11 a.m. That will be an interesting SEC matchup. You've also got Texas Tech and Texas. Texas Tech is still undefeated. That one's in Austin. Texas is the Longhorns are favored by seven and a half. Boise State is going to play undefeated Utah State. Boise State's favored by nine in that one, though. So a interesting home game for the Aggies of Utah State. Some more interesting games. you got Washington State and Utah, two underperforming Pac-12 teams. We'll see who can get their second win and avoid going one and three. You've also got, um, excuse me, You've also got Louisville and Florida State. Florida State looking to perk up their first win on the season. They're currently 0-3. Louisville last weekend had that big win against UCF and Gus Malzahn with a pretty crazy ending. Wyoming looks to continue their success against UConn. Uh, UConn's probably going to fall to 0-5 after a run-in with the Cowboys. Duke and Kansas in an interesting matchup. Duke's favored by 16 in that one. Duke has not impressed me so far this season, but I think they'll be 
uh, looking pretty good after playing the Jayhawks at home. Other notable matchups, you got Kentucky playing South Carolina. Kentucky undefeated and favored by five in Columbia. Navy versus Houston. Navy is winless. UAB will be playing Tulane in Yeoman Stadium in New Orleans. That one's at 7 p.m. Central Time. The Blazers looking to get a win, heading into their home opener at 3-1, if they can come away with a victory in that one. Cal will be playing Washington. And your Pac-12 after dark games, everyone's always interested to know, will be Oregon State, who is 2-1, playing USC, who is also 2-1. USC is favored by 11 in that one. And then Colorado will be playing Arizona State. Arizona State will be rocking those reverse retro uniforms against the Buffs of Colorado in Sun Devil Stadium, Tempe, Arizona, at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. So that is your college football scoreboard. we got some analysis coming up on the other side of the break with Mr. Britt Bowen. Don't go anywhere. we got Britt coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Compact Discourse with Jack Hart and Daniel Locke. Don't go anywhere. we still got 30 minutes of the show left this week. You're listening to Compact Discourse on WEGL 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Daniel Locke, and we do have a guest in the booth with us today, Mr. Britt Bowen, welcoming him into the show for his Compact Discourse debut. Mr. Britt, how are we feeling today on this fine Thursday morning, second day of autumn? It's a crisp coolness to the air. It feels like it's football weather, doesn't it? Man, it feels phenomenal outside, and it was one of those mornings that you had to question yourself walking out the door. Um, do I need sleeves or do I just ride it out with, with the polo or the t-shirt, whatever you have on? So Jack, I see you today. You're, you're in the sleeves. You went, you went heavy day, day two of fall, right? I did. I, I mean, I picked this outfit out before the weather became a factor because, okay. you know, it had to rep on game day. I'm wearing my Carolina Panthers blue hoodie for those of us who can't see. Um, but you know, sometimes, sometimes the weather will trick you. It'll start off nice and cool like this. You know, you set up your tailgate and then by the time the sun comes out, you know, you're you're reaching for the sunscreen. Well, exactly. That's what fans, football fans, this time of year have to be careful because, again, it's, it's deceptive, right? And you, you, you wear too many layers to a game in late September, early October. All of a sudden, you're shedding clothing once you're trying to get in the stadium. So, uh, been there, done that. I'm a hot-natured person myself, so I, I typically like to be on the cooler side and then add layers as needed. That's mm-hmm. just me, though. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be caught with the you know the hoodie tied around the waist look at an Auburn game. That's not really... No, no. You, you don't want to be seen in that. Listen, if you're wearing a hoodie to the football game, you've got to wear the hoodie to a football game. you got to commit to it. You, you can't have it tied around. And two, that's just something else to keep up with. That's just me. All right, and uh, for those of you who are attending the game or just coming to tailgate for homecoming, here's your weather report for Saturday. We're looking at a high of 80 degrees with a low of... 55, so about what you're experiencing today, about what you woke up with this morning. Uh, 60% humidity with a UV index of 8, 6% chance of rain. So hopefully we'll stay dry for homecoming on Saturday. We don't want to re- repeat of Southern Miss from two years ago. 
uh, on our homecoming game. We also want to remind you that there is the homecoming pep rally and parade on the Sanford Lawn. That's tomorrow night at 6 p.m., so you don't want to miss that. Head on over to the Sanford Lawn at 6 p.m. for the homecoming pep rally and parade to get excited for homecoming against the Georgia State Panthers in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday afternoon. All right, let's get right into college football. We gave you the matchups in the last segment, but let's talk what we're excited about in this segment. Is there anything that jumps out to you, Britt, from this weekend? I know it's it's easy to look ahead to next weekend, probably the most exciting weekend in college football in recent memory, but I think some teams might maybe get, get caught off guard looking ahead to next weekend. Yeah, and that's something, especially in this league, in the SEC, you can't really do that, right? And I, I'm honestly looking forward to just looking at the matchups around the league. I LSU-Mississippi State intrigues me a bit. I, I This is going to be one of the first two true tests in, in, in the conference for, for LSU. I, again, it, for I, I don't judge them too harshly right now going out west to the Rose Bowl and losing to UCLA um, because it, it was so fresh off the hurricane. Uh, that team had to adjust. They were living, I, I assume, out of a hotel for, for several weeks at a time. So uh, they, weren't in, they weren't in their norm, right? So they're on the road at Mississippi State. I, this is going to be a big test for Auburn fans, I think, to see – what LSU is made of and how that matchup is going to stack up next week. And then, of course, you also have Texas A&M and Arkansas. That's the game of the week, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Is Arkansas for real? Can they get over the hump and beat Texas A&M in Dallas? I I understand that that game, one, the only thing that irks me on that game is that it is played at Jerry World. I, I understand why it's played at Jerry World, but, man, it's a conference football game. Outside of... And it still irks me, even though it's a tradition about Georgia and Florida. Games should be played on college campuses. Like, I just think it's a shame, like, the kids from Arkansas never get to play a game in Kyle Field and vice versa for for the Texas A&M players at Arkansas. And and the same goes for for Florida and and Georgia. I mean, those kids have never played a game from Georgia in the swamp and – the Florida players have never played between the hedges. Like that, that's just something that that's always always irked me. Yeah, we talked about that earlier this week on the show about how we're kind of glad that the neutral site early season games are looking like they're on their way out, or yeah. at least we have a good litmus test that since Auburn and Penn State went over so well that maybe we'll see some more of these historic college campuses. I'm more excited to go to Cal in a few years yeah. or university uh, or college. State College uh, over this past weekend than I am about going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium again or to Jerry World again. Well, and even going to Baylor in a few years, right? Going to Waco, and and they're playing in one of the few stadiums in the country that's sitting right next to a body of water where you have the the boat tailgating. I know we have that at Knoxville and and Washington, but that's something that's also a thing at Baylor. I mean, that's one of the best parts about college sports and college football, right, is being able to travel and go to – to unique, other unique, uh, venues. unique venues and other college campuses. And also, too, it, it tests you. And, like, listen, college football playoffs, fine. I'm good with a neutral site. That's how it's been for years. But I, I, I want to see more true road game atmospheres for, for non-conference games. My dad and I were talking about that on the way home from State College this past weekend. Like, I'm so glad that we're going and we went to up there yeah. to play as opposed to playing in Atlanta or Charlotte or what have you. It's just I really like that atmosphere. And it's nice to see these other campuses. Well, I tell you, that's like uh, traveling a- as a football fan growing up. I mean, I, I, I was very spoiled. I, I, I grew up and, and was was born into a family that had already been buying season tickets since the 80s. So that I understand that that's not the norm for, for most folks. But 
Um, with that, you know, we always tried to pick out once I got older to go to one road game every year, right? And and my family got to the point we enjoy the road games, I think, more than the true home games. Um, and like like going to Knoxville, like seeing Tennessee run through the tee. I mean, that, that that's classic SEC football atmosphere right there. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just something you, you wouldn't get. It wouldn't have the same same effect, I think, if we saw it in a neutral side stadium. I completely agree. Yeah, that's something I've, I've really fallen in love with since becoming a, a student at Auburn is going to the road games. I've been to LSU both times yeah. we played as, as, as I've been a student. I'm going again. I'm excited to go to South Carolina and see Sandstorm for the yeah. first time. It's gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable. So excited for that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you mentioned this LSU Mississippi State game. It's gonna be an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN. Will Rogers of Mississippi State has been putting on a show so far. He's already passed for a thousand yards. He's got eight touchdowns on the season, 122 for 163, and this is gonna be a great measuring stick for Auburn. Um, and it's gonna be hard to look past this one. Um, as we look at game tape going up to the trip to Baton Rouge next weekend. But LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that one as conference play is finally starting to open up in the SEC. You also have an interesting road game with Missouri traveling up to Chestnut Hill to play Boston College, who is still undefeated. Missouri is favored by two points in that one. Uh, Missouri coming off the loss to Kentucky last weekend. And then Kentucky will be traveling to Columbia to play South Carolina. Kentucky still undefeated in that one, and South Carolina looking to maybe make some noise in the East or at least play spoiler. Yeah, it, two really good matchups. And I'm intrigued by that Missouri-Boston College matchup. That's one of those that, that kind of slipped through the cracks in, in, in my lenses that um, I skipped over this week. I, I think, and, and see, like that, that's the thing. That's a prime example right there in non-conference football is, you know, how often does Missouri have a chance to go to Boston College, right? I, I know that's not a not a huge market game. It's not a, a lot of appeal to set it up in a neutral side stadium. But still, I mean, like, those two teams don't play each other every year. And you're right. I know we were talking off the air about Kentucky-South Carolina. Um, that That's an intriguing matchup as well because Kentucky – you know, a lot of people pick them to, to, to contend for the East, not win the East, but at least make some noise at the top and perhaps finish second or, or third or, or maybe even second in the league. So I, I think right now on paper, I, I, I certainly don't think they are a top two team in the league. They, I think they're flirting with top three, um, but this is one of those games that they have to win, I think, if they want a chance in late October, early November to at least put themselves in position to to contend for the SEC East, I, I personally don't think they have the talent, just what, we, what we've what we seen so far. I, I clearly think Joy is going to come down to Georgia and Florida, as it does most years. But, you know, it, this is a must-win game for them. And then if you flip it on the other side to, to South Carolina, I mean, I mean, they're coming off a train wreck performance at Georgia against a great Georgia defense. But, but still, if they want to get things turned around, I think they're viewing this as a must-win game because it's not going to get any easier with who these teams have to play down the stretch. And then I think the biggest storyline out of college football so far has been the not only the disappointing performance of the top five teams, save for Alabama, you have your, your Clemsons and your Oklahomas very much underperforming from what people expected to see this season, but you also have your Heisman favorites sort of very much getting shaken up. The, the guest list to New York looks going to look a lot different than what people expected. And um, I think Sam Howell, who is my favorite to win the Heisman currently, just based off he had a he had a bad game against Virginia Tech to start out the season, but I think he's bounced back and he scored eight touchdowns since then in his next two games. North Carolina will be playing against Georgia Tech in Mercedes-Benz Stadium this weekend at 6:30 p.m. 
So I think I'm going to watch Sam Howell in that one to see how he's rebounding against a Georgia Tech team that really held their own against Clemson. Yeah, they did. And, and Georgia Tech, it, it's so weird watching them, you know, transition from the triple option, right? And, and this is something that's going to take several years for that program, I think, to, to truly establish themselves and get recruits in that can play in that system. And it, it's one of those things. I know Auburn-Georgia Tech used to be a big rivalry, especially in the 70s and 80s. Um, but it's one of, they're, they're one of those schools that are close by. We have that mutual hate for Georgia. I've always had a lot of respect for Georgia Tech. I love going over there for baseball and playing them in non-conference series. Um, and they're just a school I, I always root for. But, Jack, I thought you brought up a great point about the top 25, especially the, the top five teams. You know, college football in the last, what, five years has been dominated by, what, the three teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and maybe maybe throw in Oklahoma yeah. and mix in LSU and, and, and a couple Washington, I think, is another team that was in there. But but if you think about it, I mean, think about the dynasty that Alabama's had, how good Ohio State's been, even Oklahoma and, and, and Clemson. You know, like, those things don't last forever. And I, I think we as college football fans forget that, hey, those those programs can be tested, and they can still be tested and still be considered good football teams. And I don't want to be the person who who sits here and defends Alabama, but is it is it bad, though, that Alabama played a close game against Florida? Isn't that actually better for college football? Does that make them a bad program that they lost the game by or they won a game by single digits as opposed to blowing somebody out by double digits? Like that, that, that's something I, I think we as fans and even members of the media – I think we've just got our expectations just just too high for for these programs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is they're still the best teams in college football? Yeah, they're they're not blowing people out as as they've done in in years past. But quite frankly, I think that's better for college football that that they're beatable this year, right? It provides more parity, and because I know a lot of people, one of the big complaints when it comes to December, you compare the NFL to to NCAA football, it's the same three or four teams every single year. The NFL. Team thirty-two can beat team the the top team in the league any week, week in and week out. You yeah. don't have that in college football. Yeah, and I think that it get it definitely. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Is that you know Clemson at NC State usually wouldn't be on my radar, but right. you know number nine Clemson they're boasting a uh, a perfect ACC record so far. They're favored by ten, but I don't trust their offense to keep up with NC State. Um, and maybe I don't know if they'll come away with a. Uh, if NC State's going to pull off the upset or not, but it's definitely something you're going to want to watch now rather than just, you know, check the score after it's over. Well, I mean, uh, look at Auburn right now trying to build up. I mean, uh, do you want every single year, do you want to want it to be teams in, in the conference, or Alabama-Georgia, that's just downright unbeatable? You know what I mean? Uh, like, when you're trying to build up, and mm-hmm. that's got to give you give you confidence as a fan base, hey, we, we can build up, we can do this. Because I, I tell you, if it stays this way for too long, eventually people are going to lose interest. Uh, eventually. I mean, it, it's the worst as a fan to come in and know what the college football playoff is going to be in week, week three of the season, right? I don't think we have that this year. And that's the first time in three or four years where we felt that way. And and personally, I think it's great for the sport, but also too, I I, I want to be clear. I, it, yeah, it is good for the traditional powers to be good in college football. But like you know, when have we seen the traditional powers of, of USC, Michigan? You know, the, those teams arise and make make the college football playoffs. Florida, you know, Florida State ha- hasn't been there in a while. They're 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 terribly down right now. So it, again, it. And through the longevity of the sport, I, it's, it's certainly a good thing. But I, I think those teams in the top five 
certainly deserve some respect just because they're not winning games by, by double digits. Fair enough. All right. Great college football conversation here with Britt Bowen. We're going to head to a quick PSA break. And when we come back, we got the finale of the show for the week. You listen to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL. We want to thank Britt for coming in and thank Daniel for hanging out with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes with the final segment of the show. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Final segment of the show, final segment of the week. Thank you for joining us here this week on Compact Discourse. However you joined us this week or a combination of ways, there's plenty of ways to listen to old CD. We are on your terrestrial radio 91.1 FM in Auburn, Alabama and the surrounding counties. We're also on WEGLFM.com 24 hours a day. We live stream whatever Weagle's playing. You can get it on the internet. Just click the play button on the boombox, WEGLFM.com. You've also got Eagle Eye TV where you can watch select replays of Compact Discourse when we have our video broadcast working. Video broadcast will be back next week. We are just between computers at the moment here, so hopefully no more technical issues starting up next week. You can also listen to our podcast completely PSA break free. Wherever you get your podcast, just go on Spotify, search for Compact Discourse or your your podcast player of choice. You can also follow the station on w, uh, on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. That's at W-E-G-L underscore A-U. You can follow this show on Twitter at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. And thank you, of course, to our number one fan, Harrison Tarr, for continuing to show us some love. You can check out his show, TNT in the Morning on Fridays. So go ahead and do that if you haven't already. Get ready for that one tomorrow. That's TNT in the morning with Harrison Tarr and Thomas Lynn Murphy. Exciting sports shows coming up on WEGL. We've also got the scoreboard and the Eagles Nest coming up this afternoon. So you aren't going to want to miss those. That's at two and three, respectively. And with that, we will jump right into some NFL action. And of course, we'll just get you a little primer on what's going on this weekend in the National Football League. This tonight, you got Carolina at Houston. Carolina coming off that big win against the New Orleans Saints, and Houston coming off their uh, eh, unfortunate quarterback situation with Tyrod Taylor. That's at 7.20 p.m. tonight on the NFL Network. That one's in Houston. All right, on Sunday, your noon games. You got Washington football team at the Buffalo Bills. That one's at noon. You got the Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. That one's on Fox. You can watch Baltimore coming off that big win on Sunday Night Football. They're playing the Detroit Lions on CBS at Ford Field. AFC South matchup. You got the Colts of Indianapolis taking on the Titans of Tennessee. That one's on CBS as well in Nissan Stadium. The Chargers of Los Angeles will be playing the KC Chiefs on CBS at noon. The Saints will be going to play the Patriots. That is at noon on Fox. You got the Atlanta Falcons looking there for their first win. Playing the New York Giants, looking for their first win. That one is in MetLife Field in New Jersey. You got the Cincinnati Bengals playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That one is in Pittsburgh. You got the Cardinals taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. That one is in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence looking for his for his first NFL win. Arizona looking to go three and zero. Your afternoon games. You got the New York 
Jets playing the 2-0 Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos may be the worst 3-0 team ever after this weekend. That one is at Mile High Stadium on CBS. you got the Dolphins of Miami playing the Las Vegas Raiders. That's at 3 p.m. on CBS in Las Vegas. Tampa Bay looking to be Tampa Bay once again. Tom Brady defending his crown against the L.A. Rams. A great NFC matchup. That one's at 3.30 in Inglewood on Fox. you got Seattle at Minnesota. Two legendary NFC programs going at it. That one's in U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis at 3.30 on Fox. All right, your Sunday night game on NBC, a rematch of two years ago NFC Championship. The uh, Aaron Rodgers playing against his childhood favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers. That is the Green Bay Packers playing the Niners in those cherry red throwback uniforms we talked about earlier on the show. That one's at 7.30 on NBC in Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. And then your Monday night game is the Philadelphia Eagles playing against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas looking to go uh, on another win streak as they won against the Chargers last weekend. That one is in Jerry World as well. One day after A&M, or two days after A&M and Arkansas will be playing in that very same stadium. That is at 7.15 p.m. on ESPN. You can get a ticket to that one for $51. So uh, go Cowboys to that one. Philadelphia and Dallas will be playing on ESPN on Monday night. But, of course, Carolina and Houston, that's what we're talking about right now because that game is tonight. Excited for this one, Daniel? I am. Excited um, to uh, just morbid curiosity at, uh, at what Houston's going to put out on the field with Davis Mills? Yes. that's. I think that Derek Brown's going to have a, a fun game. Derek Brown, Brian Burns, take your pick. The Carolina defense – had a field day with a pretty good quarterback against Jameis Winston. So what are they going to do against a eh, unproven, I think is a good word for it, uh, Davis Mills uh, from the Houston Texans. Of course, Tyrod Taylor dealing with injury problems, and then you have uh, Deshaun Watson dealing with other problems. So matchup predictor has the Carolina Panthers as a 62.4% chance to win this one and as a 8-point favorite in the spread. That sounds very low. I would say so, but you know, NFL spreads, they never get too crazy. That's true. There's a lot of talent on both sides that you can't ignore. Yeah, Houston can come out and surprise us. And knowing the Panthers on primetime, they may just might, but I will be interested to see how the Panther defense continues their success as they had a very prolific game against the Houston, or against the New Orleans Saints last weekend. Very good QB contain and very good QB pressure as well as shutting down Alvin Kamara, the top back for the Saints. You also have, um, is it Mark Ingram now on the Houston Texans? That is a player that the Carolina Panthers are very familiar with, a former Saint. And you also got Brandon Cooks as the leading receiver for the Houston Texans. Your leaders for the Carolina Panthers, of course, Sam Darnold. He has 50 of 73 for 584 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Christian McCaffrey, Fantasy God, he is leading fantasy points, and he's also the leading rusher for the Panthers. He has 45 carries for 170 yards and a touchdown. You also got DJ Moore for Carolina. He has 14 catches for 159 yards and one tutty. So, is it going to be a good night for uh, McCaffrey owners in fantasy? Oh, yeah. They're going to be very happy, me included, since I have them. Okay, good deal. All right, so we got Davis Mills. You know anything about this guy? Um, to be honest, no. I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking at his ESPN profile. Davis Mills is number 10 on the Houston Texans. 
He is 22 years old. Um, so just a little bit older than me. And he played at Stanford. He was picked in last year's, or yeah, this this April's draft. He was picked in the third round. So he is a true rookie quarterback looking to make his first NFL start tonight against the Carolina Panthers. So should be pretty interesting to see what uh, Davis Mills is going to do. I mean, this is a, uh, you, you, only, you only make your first start once. I'm curious to know how much sleep he got last night. Mm, that is a very interesting predicament. I'm interested to, yeah, what kind of nerves do you have going in to a, to a nationally televised game like this? I mean, if you're, if you're playing like a noon game on a Sunday, you can kind of hide a little bit, but if you're on a primetime game on Thursday, I mean, he should just be lucky there's not, this isn't the Monday night game. All eyes on you. That's right. So his 21, 2021 season stats, he so far has one touchdown and one interception, as well as 102 yards which is good for a 10.1 QBR. So how about that? Maybe he's the next Jameis Winston. Wait, that could be. I mean, he could be a career backup. He could be a 20-year starter. We shall see when it comes to Davis Mills, who will be playing quarterback for the Houston Texans tonight as they try to get their second win of the season. They got one win against Jacksonville. Panthers looking to remain undefeated. Something that's been brought up to me is that the Panthers have a really easy schedule to start the season to the point that they'll probably have a record that does not reflect their talent level uh, eight weeks in. Looking at the Panthers' schedule, they have the Cowboys next week, the Eagles, the Vikes, the Giants, and the Falcons before they head up to New England to play the Patriots. So, I mean, there's a non-trivial chance they could be 8-0. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen considering how hard it is to win an NFL game. But... I don't think this Panthers team is is going to be worth like a six and two record when they play the Patriots. However, they may very well have a six and two record when they host the Patriots on November seventh. I could see them stumbling against Dallas, but I think they win the rest of these. It's very possible. I'm I'm still uh, still a little out on the Vikings. I don't know what they they have going on yet. Um, they had a very Vikings moment against the Bengals last weekend, so we shall see. But I love Vikings moments. We are very excited. To see this NFL, I mean, I've just been talking with my roommate a lot about how fun this NFL season has been so far. All of the primetime games have been awesome. Yeah, I agree. You had that amazing Monday night game with the Ravens and the the Raiders where both teams had the game tied up with a bow at least twice at the end. It goes to overtime and the Raiders come away victorious. And then you also have the Sunday night game this past Sunday where the Ravens are on the winning side of a game-losing fumble as the Chiefs and the Ravens battled in an absolute dogfight. Ravens came away with that one victorious. So, I mean, Lamar Jackson, Ravens, I think they're my team to watch in the AFC right now. They, they've proved they can beat the best or at least hang with them. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble barring. So, we shall see. Um, the Ravens were my pick for the AFC, so I'm a little biased and hoping they do well. But I think they can... I know I, uh, TJ Hawkinson's my big point getter in fantasy, but I like Baltimore this weekend against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I agree with that take. I do too. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Compact Discourse, and that's going to do it for another fabulous week of shows, the first autumn week of shows here on Compact Discourse. We thank you for joining us, and we hope you get out and enjoy this lovely, brisk fall weather. Have a great day, everybody. Go 1-0 and today and enjoy it because, you know, every day is a gift. You got to get out there and enjoy it. Have a great weekend as well. It is homecoming. 
Only comes once a year, so be sure to relish in it. Go out, see some people you haven't seen in a while, watch a parade, watch a great football game, and just buckle up for a great college football Saturday, a great NFL weekend, and a great next week as Auburn gets ready to play LSU and maybe on the greatest college football Saturday in recent memory. Daniel, any closing thoughts for the week other than, you know, obviously, go ahead and promote your Eagles Nest. Today at 3 o'clock, we got the Eagles Nest. We're talking about the Ryder Cup going on this weekend. You don't want to miss it. Awesome. Yeah, the Ryder Cup, is is, is it starts this weekend? Yes. Is it, it's in Europe this time, right? Uh, no, it's in um, the U.S. Okay, so we can watch it at like a decent hour? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Norm- normal business hours. Okay, I'm very excited about the Ryder Cup. I really like, uh, although we haven't won recently, I do like the the friendly competition we have with Europe. I think this could be the year. Could um, be the year. Um, I bought a, a USA hat because the uh, the Ryder Cup merch is always super cool. Oh yeah. So um, I I did get that from New Era. So hopefully once we get video broadcasts up and running next week, that can be a hat of the day. But uh, other than that, I'm going to be listening to the scoreboard. I'm going to listen to the Eagles Nest this weekend uh, as their podcast, and I th- highly encourage you to do so as well because they are fabulous shows here on WEGL, but that's going to do it for today. So once again, thank you so much for watching and listening to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or by listening to our podcast, you can listen to all of our podcasts, absolutely PSA break free wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU, that's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. Tweet at us, get on the show, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) You can also... Um, follow the station at WEGL on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WEGL underscore AU. Got a super hardworking marketing team looking to get you some great content. And as for that, I've been Jack Hart. I've been joined alongside Alex Houston, Jacob Hillman, Daniel Locke, Bay Marks, Davis Carroll, Britt Bowen, and JP Williams this week. We had a great week on Compact Discourse. We will talk at you next week on Compact Discourse, Monday at 8 a.m., hopefully talking about Auburn's big win against the Georgia State Panthers. And that will just about do it. We'll talk at you next week. This is Jack Hart signing off. And as always, go 1-0, attack the day, and War Eagle, folks.